It's a, it's a real privilege for me to be here this morning. Um, and this morning when I woke up, I had spoken at Hope Church once before in my life, and by the end of this afternoon, I would have spoken three times. So that's really cool. Um, I understand that this particular recording is the one that's going uh, onto the podcast and all that kind of thing. Um, so that's good that I practiced it this morning at Central, <laughs> so I can nail it now this morning. Um, so yeah, James introduced me. My name's Luke. Uh, I've been a part of Hope for about six years now, I think. Um, I'm involved with hosting and uh, part of the prayer team, and I did youth until about a, a year ago uh, or so. Um, I'm going to be continuing the series that we've been doing, uh, The Way of Life, and the title today is The Father's Reward. And um, we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 8, and then skip a little chunk, and then verse 16 to 18. So you can follow along in your Bible, otherwise they will be up uh, on the screen next to me. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then jumping down a few verses, verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done, what is done in secret, will reward you. I want to jump to the end a little bit, uh, and then you can fall asleep if you like. Um, I'm going to be talking about a few things today, but really, it's all about the heart. There are commandments and rules and guidelines, examples, commissions in the Old and the New Testament. And in, and in these verses, Jesus highlights three of them, three actions that are considered three of the most important demonstrations of religious devotion in Judaism. Almsgiving, prayer, fasting. To the Jews, these were three cardinal works of religious life, the three chief acts of Jewish piety, the three great pillars on which the good life is based. If you were good, you did these things. And in order to prove to everybody that you were good, you made a big song and dance. Look at me, I am good. We've been listening in the past few weeks how Jesus, though, has raised the bar on things. He's raised the bar on love and lust and anger and promises. Because as we've learned, it's not only about what we do, but about how we do. God doesn't simply want our obedience. He wants our hearts, our modus operandi, which is a method of operation. So what's the point? We don't do things out of religion, but we do things out of relationship. And we'll revisit that phrase a little bit later. I want to briefly look at the three things that Jesus talks about, sort of the what and how, and then 
We'll end by looking at this thing called the Father's reward. So the first one, charitable deeds. Now, I think this one is quite straightforward. You know, don't make a big song and dance when you give to the needy. Uh, when you come and want to give money to an offering, to cap or something like that, don't get one of those big checks, you know, <laughs> and come walking into church. Oh, what's that for? Oh, I'm just, you know, giving to the needy. You know, it's okay. It's just me. I'm just, you know, everybody move out the way. My check can't fit through. You know? I think that's quite easy to understand. So I want to take a, a slightly different look at, at, at it. Um, I work for the p- p- Police and Crime Commissioner, uh, and uh, my title is Senior Relocation Manager, which basically means I just move people from A to B. That's what I do. So police staff and, and officers, when they move into a new building, I have to make sure that whatever they have in, in their exit building, place A, is reprovided in place B. And so that's sometimes fancy IT infrastructures and all sorts of things that go with police bits. But sometimes it's just, you know, do they have a fridge or a chair or whatever it is. And I had an occurrence like this in a project that I've just been working on in, in Portsmouth where a guy who uh, was hard of hearing. And um, he came to me and he's like, look, I'm in my new office and it's great and whatever, but I'm really struggling to hear when I'm on the phone because everyone's close and I, I just the phones aren't loud enough. Can you help get some kind of amplifier or something? So I went to our IT services and I said, look, this chap, Mark, has this issue, what can we do? How can we boost his, his phone that he can hear better in his office? And they said, oh, you'll have to have an analog phone. So I went to him, Mark, analog phone it is. And his face dropped and he's like, oh, please don't, please don't make me have one of those. I had one of those where I was and he showed it to me and it was this like toy looking phone. All the numbers were real big. And, and, and he said, you know, he was like, it's embarrassing for me to actually use this phone. So I said, okay, fine, you know, we won't do that, we'll find something else. So we went onto Amazon and we found a little amplifier thing that plugs into the phones. We all have the same phone. And um, he ordered it, came in, and I went into his office. He wasn't there. I plugged it into his phone, made sure it worked, left, said to his colleague, there it is, let me know if it works. A couple of days later, I got an email from the society that looks, the Heart of Hearing Society that looks after all these people and makes sure that they are, you know, looked after in the force. And, and they forwarded me an email from Mark because they had obviously checked in on him, and Mark in his email said, you know, I'm so grateful for what Luke did. I went off to a meeting, and I came back, and my need was met. There was no, no attention brought to my need and to my requirement. I just, it was just solved for me. And I think sometimes we do things in a way that not only attempts to, to draw praise and honor towards ourselves, but actually it dishonors the people that are in need as well. And so I want to encourage you, don't, don't seek Praise and honor for yourself in a way that costs those that are in need. You know, when we give to the needy, the point and purpose of it is to lift them up. And if we meet people's needs in a way that draws attention negatively to them, it just pushes them further down. <clears throat> Number two, prayer. Now, I'm not going to say uh, a lot about prayer, partly because Pastor James is uh, going to be talking about this next week. Is that right? Yeah. And um, he's going to be speaking about this next week, those verses that we skipped over. And so, so come back next week if you want to hear that. Um, I do want to say two things, though. First of all, this passage is not an excuse to not contribute. So while it says, you know, don't pray out and in the crowd and in public or whatever, don't pray in public, it's not saying don't contribute, don't come forward on a Sunday morning and pray, don't pray in the prayer meetings, whatever it is. It's not an excuse to not partake and to contribute. That's not what this verse is talking about. And secondly, I think it's really important that we learn to pray God's prayers. I think very often we can come to God with a list 
and we arrive and God, I need and this and that and also, but thank you to you and, and this is that and that's it. But really praying is about relationship. It's about conversation. And this morning when I was sort of going over this with my wife, I said, you know, God just wants to conversate with us. And she said, that's not a word. Don't use that one. But now I've used it and it's on the recording. So, you know, apologies to, to Demi. But I mean, you know what I'm saying. That's what he wants. God wants to talk to us. You know, we should come to him. Yeah, we have a list, but come to him. And How often do we stop and say, you know, Lord, what are you saying to me? A few weeks ago, um, Danny and I had a list of about nine things that we were praying for from the community group and that, and um, we sort of sat down and, you know, nine things, Danny and I, how do we pray for this? You know, do you do odds? I do evens, but then you get more and I get less, and, you know, whatever, do whatever. How do we do this? And we said, look, let's just pray. Whatever God highlights, we'll pray for. And if we pray for nine of them, we pray for nine. If we pray for two, we pray for two. If we pray for 12, we pray for 12. Uh, we prayed for 11, I think, because God highlighted stuff as we were praying that other things that he, he wanted to speak about. It's important that we learn to have a conversation with God, that our prayer is in relationship with him, that it's not just a religious act. Uh, in verse 8, it says, For the Father knows what you need before you ask him. God doesn't need us to pray. He wants us to pray. And in verse 7 it says, When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. I don't know if anybody here is one of them, but have you heard of the Father Goddess? Do you know the Father Goddess? You know, Father God, we just ask you, Father God, that you, Father God, will come, Father God, this morning, Father God, and bless us, Father God. This I found on Instagram, which I thought was very funny. You may not uh, have my sense of humor, I don't know, but um, it's an Instagram account called Babylon B. I don't want to, I don't want to take the mick out of anybody who does happen to pray like that, <laughs> before I've offended anybody who happens to say Father God a lot. But I think it's important to realize that we are having a conversation with a person. I don't speak to Danny like that. Danny, I was wondering, Danny, if you could tell me, Danny, what's for dinner tonight, Danny, you know. And I think it's important that we learn to pray God's way, but pray to God and with God, to have a conversation with Him. It's about relationship. It's not a religious thing that we're just trying to do. Right. Fasting. Here we go. Close that door. No one runs. (laughs) Did you know that there are potentially up to 70 biblical references to fasting and it's mentioned in scripture more times than even something as important as baptism. First of all, I want to say this. As with both giving and praying, fasting is something that we should do. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. When you fast. Not if you fast. Why do we fast? Well, because Jesus told us to. I found this quote, I'm I'm not really sure exactly where it is, but I think it it puts it well. Like all spiritual disciplines, fasting hoists the sails of the soul in hope of experiencing the gracious wind of the Spirit. I said this in in Central, and I'll say it here as well. I think it's important that when people come and stand here and speak, that they do so out of a level of authority because they've experienced and walked in something. I don't know if you ever find that then when people do things and have walked through something, they come with a level of authority. So because of that, I just want to say to you that I do fast. The Bible says I can't tell you how many times. 
So it might have only been once. I can't tell you that. <laughs> but I do. And sometimes I do really well, and sometimes I do really poorly. So I can tell you that two weeks ago I did fast, well, attempted to at least, and I failed miserably. Lunchtime rolled around, and I thought, this brother's got to eat. So I went to Marks and Spencer's, I bought myself a brioche roll, some uh, sweet chili crisps, I crushed those crisps up, I poured it in that brioche roll, I ate that brioche roll, and I tasted that the Lord was good. <laughs> he was so good that I had the second brioche roll, and I ate that one too. I want to suggest to you the reason why I failed is because my heart wasn't really in it. You see, I'd, work and I, I'd been told that week, you need a fast this day. And because of work and other things, I didn't really get my heart into what I was doing. So really, all I was doing was just going on a hunger strike. And that's not really going to get you anywhere. There was no relationship in what I was doing. I was just doing it because I was told to. Fasting is far more than a hunger strike. We can have the wrong heart motive or even no heart motive like I had. And it's of no benefit. Now fasting is usually around food. That's the first thing people think about. But it's not the only way to fast. Sometimes it could be just showing God that we're serious about him by removing distractions. Perhaps switching off the TV for a week. Perhaps not going on Instagram for a week. I, um, I did a little experiment with my wife. She didn't really know about the fact that it was an experiment. I asked her, how, long have you, how many hours have you spent on Instagram today? And she looked, you know, Instagram, it tells you how long you've been on there, about, about an hour and a half or so. I said, oh, yeah, not bad. Looked at mine, 14 minutes. <laughs> to be fair, she's a stay-at-home mom, so she's got <laughs> more time to look on Instagram. But we do, we find ourselves spending time I probably spent an hour and a half on Sky Sports, so <laughs> no one's being judged. <laughs> but it's true, we spend a lot of time on things that distract us, that go into our minds. What about the news? Are you all Brexit every day? I'm not. <laughs> it's about what we fill our minds with. What about fasting good things? It's easy to say, well, you know, you can fast social media or sweets, beer or whatever it is, you know, the bad things. But what about the good things? Fruit and veg. What about the podcast you listen to, the worship music that you listen to perhaps? Uh, a couple of weeks ago we were driving in the car and I said, oh, to Danny, I listened to a, a really good Bill Johnson the other day and she said to me, why do you only ever listen to Bethel? I said, well, it's not true. I, you know, I listen to other people just you know, mentioned a few, Sean Bowles and whatever, and she was like, why are they always American? Why don't you listen to someone British for a change? I said, well, I, yesterday I listened to Jonathan Lloyd, so that counts, you know. But it's true, you know, we fill our minds with so much. Todd White said this, you cannot feed on someone else's revelation. God doesn't want you to be an echo. He wants you to be a voice. That's really profound. And that's what fasting does. It clears out everyone else's voice and allows you to come into intimacy with the Father and hear His voice and His word for you. While I was preparing and looking at verses about fasting that I, I came upon this one that we're going to show in a second, um, Jesus uh, gets baptized and He goes off into the desert where He's tempted by Satan. He overcomes all temptation and then He, he comes back to Galilee and He starts His ministry. And in Matthew 4 verse 2 it says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I'm, that's mind-blowing stuff, isn't it? 
I want to say to you, it's okay to be hungry. You know, the verse doesn't say, don't be hungry. It doesn't say that fasting will be easy and comfortable. It says, don't draw attention. Don't say, hey, look at me. I'm so holy. I'm, I'm fasting. Because it's not about what we do. It's about how we do it. That we're doing things under God. Right. The Father's reward. I'm a father. Recently it was Father's Day. I got a reward. But this is not the type of reward I'm talking about. There's a story about a guy called Henry C. Morrison. You may have heard it. Henry was and his wife were missionaries and they spent 40 years serving Africa and sort of being in the mission field. And they were arriving back to uh, America, having been in Africa. And as the ship was coming into the port, they saw a load of fanfare people and a band and the party poppers and woo. And, they were like, and he called his wife. He's like, look, they've remembered us. Look how amazing this is. But what he didn't realize was uh, on the same ship was uh, the president at the time, Teddy Roosevelt, who was returning from Africa from a hunting holiday. And all of the fanfare and all of the excitement was for him. So they arrived, got off the ship, and no one, no one cared. No one even noticed. So he and his wife went home, and he tried to let it go, but he thought, you know, it's not right. This, we've given, you know, years of our life to the Lord, and, and we've been forgotten. No one cares. And his wife said, you know, you, sh- you should talk to the Lord because you're not going to be any use to him if you're just bitter. So he went off into his room and got on his knees and wrestled with the Lord and said, you know, I shouldn't care, but this is really bugging me. We, were, we faithfully served you and not even a single person there to welcome us back. And he, f- and he felt the Lord put his arm on his shoulder and said, Henry, it's because you're not home yet. And I, I don't know about you, but that, just, that messes me up a little bit, I think. But it's true, we live in a way that we're so focused on here and now, but it's not about what it looks like here and now, it's about the relationship with God. And the thing is, God sees what we do, he doesn't forget. So what does this reward actually look like? Earlier on I said, don't do things out of religion, do them out of relationship. I want to tell you that the reward is in the relationship. The difference between man's reward and the father's reward is that man rewards you for what you have done. The father rewards you for who you are. And more than that, he invites us into who he is. In uh, Matthew 25, there's a parable of uh, the bags of gold where a master goes away and gives bags of gold to some of his servants and some of them invest that and when he comes back, they give him back what he gave them with interest. And uh, the master in this parable is, is God. And in, <clears throat> excuse me, and in Matthew 25, verse 21 and 23, it says, his master, talking about God, replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Share in the father's reward. The message puts it this way. His master commended him. Good work. You did a job well from now on. Be my partner. Now, In Psalm 23, verse 1 and 2, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 
This invitation to, to, to enter in and partake of the Father's reward, this isn't an invitation to be lazy, to sit on our bums and expect life to be easy and fall into our laps. I think sometimes, as Christians, we almost believe that. Why is life so hard? I'm a Christian. There's no guarantee of that, per se. Being a Christian is a bit like being in the ocean. Sometimes it's calm and gentle, and other times it ripples, and then it'll swell, and sometimes there's a tidal wave. But it's about knowing that despite how life goes, that we are safe and that we are held. I want to share with you uh, an illustration by a man named Gavin Cox, who, who was a, uh, the head of our church in South Africa. And, and I, I, I've been in church all my life, so I've, I've heard a lot of sermons in my life, um, and including this one twice. <laughs> and, um, and for some reason, this particular illustration has stuck with me. And I, I've heard it at least 16, if not 20 years ago. Right. This year, this is God's blessing. This is what we're talking about, the Father's reward. In Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. That's what this is. It's James 1 7. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. It's peace, it's freedom, it's victory over sin, it's physical health, it's wealth, it's relationship, it's family. This is where we want to live. In the Father's reward, in God's blessing. This one, this here is God's rule. This is his will for our lives, this is his way, it's his commands, his destiny for us. See, God is both friend and comforter and Abba, but he's also king, he's ruler, he's master. The Bible says every knee will bow. We've heard how God is raising the bar on things. This is that, God raising the bar, his will, his way of doing things. As Christians, we are called to you know, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. There's a submitting that we have to do. Submit to God, resist the devil, it says. He's a God we submit to. Now, John, can I borrow you for a second? Could you, if you stand here, if you hold that one, there, right. is that alright? Yep. There. No, don't you don't claim my reward. <laughs> yeah, you stand there, right? But you get the idea, right? In order to be in God's blessing, we have to be under God's rule, and in God's will for us is His blessing. Right? We can't be under God's rule without being in his blessing. Nor can we be in his blessing without being under his rule. So God says to us, I raise the bar on lust and love and promises and anger. But also I bless you with every spiritual blessing. I give you everything. You give me everything. That's the, that's the exchange. We sang earlier about on the cross, about the amazing thing that God's done for us. There's something that we take up our crosses daily as well. We submit to God and he gives us in return every blessing. Thanks, John. Now in, the, now in the verse, Jesus talks about hypocrites. And I think the definition of a hypocrite is, is a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue, morality, or religion. It's, it's people who say, I'm here, I'm under this thing. But it's not really, because they're not doing... The, the way God wants them to do. See, God's about the heart. 
It's about the relationship. So it's easy to say, I'm doing these things, I'm giving to the, I'm, whatever it is. But are we actually under his will, under his reign? And they cheapen this thing by pretending to be under this. Because the blessing here is man's blessing. So they might get promoted or they might get whatever it is. But it's not God's way, it's not God's blessing. And so they're hypocrites because they're not under this. And therefore they're not in this. This is relationship. This is conversation. This is praying God's way. Fasting God's way. Giving God's way. You know, sometimes being under here, it's not easy. I mentioned Psalm 23 earlier. One and two. But in verse four it says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with, for you are with me. Even though. It doesn't say no longer. It says even though. But as we walk under this, we walk in this. And there's strength here. There's encouragement here for us. I want to end by very simply just encouraging you. I want to encourage you to give to meet the needs of those around you. I want to encourage you to pray in your homes, in your community groups here on a Sunday. I want to encourage you to fast, food, media, whatever it is. But most of all, I want to encourage you to do it with a heart after God. For his audience and his praise, Soul Survivor used to have a theme. You could buy a t-shirt and it said, for, for the audience of one. There's this thing of, if no one else is looking, how would you act, how would you respond? I think that's what it's about. It's, it's doing it unto God. Because we can, <clears throat> I can suggest to you that we can do a heck of a lot of good-looking things and, and it be of no value. But if we do a little that is unto God, he's the one that breathes life on that thing and it makes it worth something for those around us and for us. Because his will is so desperate for us to, to be within his blessing and to be within his promises that he, he gave us the cross for that reason. I want to encourage you. Live here. Live here because it means, it means you live here. It means you live here. I'll just pray quickly and then we'll, we'll respond. Father, I just want to thank you that your desire is to see us living in the fullness and in the blessing of everything that you have for us. And God, I ask that you will help us, that you will reveal to us the ways in which we sometimes uh, go after man's praise, that we do things in a way that is looking for honor for us. It's so easy in this world, in this society, to do things in a way that brings honor to us. Father, we want to live in a way that brings honor to you. We want to live in a way that builds relationship with you, God. Yeah, will you help us, Jesus?